lot of slides when I preach. But this morning I only have two slides. That ain't saying nothing, but <laughs> I have two slides with me. Brother, brother man asked me this morning, brother, you gonna do your own work? I said, no problem, I got two. I can do it myself, you know, no problem. Uh, so I, I'm trying to cut down on things um, because, you know, I feel like a, a bunny rabbit in a carrot patch. And I'm right where I want to be. And because of being there, I just get excited. I get excited about the word. I get excited because I see what the Lord can do. Uh, because, and because of that, I, I just realize, I keep realizing that we need to put ourselves in a position of mind to do what God says and just allow God to bless us in the way that he can bless. To our visitors, we want to say thank you. My goodness, my goodness. We want to thank you for um, allowing us to have your presence on this morning. You, you truly delight our hearts and, 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 and I just want you to know, y'all just come on back. Just come on back. This is a loving congregation. They even like each other. And, and so it, it, it's, it's a, isn't that right? Isn't that right? And so it, it is just, it's just beautiful. It's beautiful to go to a place where folk like each other. I can say to you all day long, I love each other. I love you, I love you, but it's not shown until you show you like each other. And liking each other means that you're doing right by one another. Y'all, and, and see, and I'll listen to the singing this morning, that brothers are singing, that young brother, no, he sung his heart out. <laughs> you sung your heart out today, sir. I was asking Sebastian, I said, Sebastian, you singing tomorrow? He said, no, I got a young brother singing. I said, all right. Uh, he might be young, but he's sure older than the Lord, boy, I tell you. They got a singing going on. I like that. Now, I'm going to get to my lesson, Brother Davis. I got it. I got it. I'll get it together someday. I'll get it together sooner or later. But God has, has truly blessed us with the opportunity to be, be together. It takes me a little while to warm up, but once I get there, I'm all right. Uh, uh, as we said this morning, um, this is a family enrichment uh, time uh, whereby we are together and during this month and, and the wisdom of your leadership has, has said this is a time that we need to talk about family. And as I told the Bible class this morning, there's something that I want you to know, as I said before, that if you don't get anything else, remember this, so goes the family, so goes the church. Amen. Okay? So goes the family, so goes the church. And so because of that, it is important that we take, it, take into mind those things of family and how we ought to be together. Now, the question, the statement that is on our hearts this morning, more of a question. You see my man over here on both sides, I guess. Yeah, pray the Lord. Yeah, it's on both sides. We got double the trouble this morning. We got an archer. We have an archer. And just to look at him, just to look at him, he's a mean dude. He ain't taking no mess. He is prepared. Got his body armor on. He has his tools of war on. He looks like he's focused. He looks like he's pointing somewhere. His mind is on his business. 
He has what he needs to accomplish what he wants to accomplish. He has a stance. He's not allowing himself to be moved. Everything is in the right place. And because of all of that, he's able now to do what he must do. Because of the time, he has the weapon, or shall I say, the modern weapon of war, the bow and arrow. Now, I know I said modern weapon of war at that time. He might have something a little heavier than that now to do that. But during that time, he had the most modern weapon of warfare. And he knows what to do with it. I can tell by the way he's dressed in his stance that he's taken some time to prepare himself. I can see that he's been well trained. And now he is about to put all of his training together in order that he might accomplish what he wants to accomplish. This is an Old Testament archer. One who during that time was lethal by himself. The weapon that he uses or that he's using is only an extension of who he is. Let me say it again. You didn't catch that. The weapon that he is using is an extension of who he is because the weapon by itself would have no value, no use if he wasn't ready to use it. By itself is insignificant. But in the hands of a professional Warrior who is an archer, if you are within range, you're in trouble. Because he has his mind on his business. With that in mind, I want to ask the question with our verse that we're going to look at in a little while, and I appreciate my brother for reading that this morning who read it. The question that is on our mind for this morning, am I pointing my children in the right direction? Am I pointing my children in the right direction? direction. If you have your Bibles, I want to read again the scripture that has been read to your hearing. But I'm going to extend that scripture if you don't mind this morning. I want to extend that scripture and begin with the first verse. Because I believe the first and the second verse is going to give us a backdrop. Hmm? I believe it's going to give us a backdrop to why he says what he says 
in verses 3 and 4. Your Bible reads this way. Except the Lord build the house. They labor in vain that build it. Except the Lord keep the city. The watchman waketh but in vain. It is vain for you to rise up early, to sit up late, to eat the bread of sorrow, for so he giveth to his beloved sleep. Lo, children are a heritage of the Lord, and the fruit of the womb is his reward. Pay attention to verse 4. As arrows are in the hands of a mighty man, so are children of the youth. Am I pointing my children in the right direction? You see, brethren, this morning, the fact of the matter is the role of the Christian family in a child's faith is very important. If the Christian family is not what it should be, then the child is going to grow up in a deficit. It's going to grow up not having those things that he needs in order for him to be what he ought to be. Now, I have to stay with my notes this while, this, this time, because my wife was telling me that, you know, bro, see, Carl, you know, you, you go off and you get happy, and you go across the country. <laughs> and it's hard for you to find your bus fare back. So I'm trying, I'm trying, I'm trying this morning, Brother Davis, I'm trying. It's going to be difficult for me, you know. Yes, it is. I'm not used to just having stuff in front of me. I'm used to going at it. But I got, I'm going to try it this morning. See how it works. Okay, Freddie? All right. <laughs> but the Bible says, the Bible says, uh, except the Lord build the house. And notice how the writer here, and, and, and keep in mind from, a, from a, a contextual perspective, he's talking really in the sense of the Old Testament characters. He's talking about a family structure that uh, we know of as a Jewish household. He's not talking about a family of the world in general. But he's talking about those who claim to be of God. That their household is this. Except the Lord build that house. They labor in vain. That building. Now what's interesting about this is this. Is that when you talk about the Lord building the house. We are now looking at some architectural plans that has God as the author. And when we look at these architectural plans as God being the author, 
we must then build based upon those plans which are of God. We don't have the right then to put in it what we want. It, because if we put in those plans what we want, then the Lord will not get what he wants and the Lord will not be magnified in that household. It's only when we build according to the plan of God that the Lord will be glorified and the family will be edified in the process. Unfortunately, today, we want the blessings of God without having God in the plans. You know, they, they, you know, the, you know the, the mark of insanity is? Doing the same things, the same ways, and expecting a different result. You see, unless we do it the way that the Lord says to do it, it won't be what it should be. And so the Bible says, except the Lord be the house, those who are trying to build this house, the destruction of this house, the, 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 the emotional structure, the psychological structure of this house, they are not going to be what God wants them to be. Because God has not been the foundation. And the most important thing of a house is its foundation. No matter how beautiful it is, no matter how elaborate it is, don't let a strong wind come. Because if that house is not built upon a solid foundation, it's going to fall. Because God is not the foundation. And he says, except the Lord keep the city. That is those houses that are put together that makes up a city, then the Bible says the watchmen, those who are in charge of taking care of it, are doing their work in vain because it wasn't built on the Lord. Oh, y'all not with me yet. I can see right now. Y'all not with me yet. And so therefore he says, if this is so, then it is vain for you to rise up early in the morning. Now you're protecting the city now. You're protecting the city now. A city that is not built on the Lord. Notice what he says. It is in vain for you to rise up in the morning and sit up late. How are you going to pre protect a city that can't be protected? How are you going to protect a home that cannot be protected? No matter what, well, y'all getting quiet on me now. I ain't got that yet now. How can you, therefore, uh, provide the security for a place where the security was taken away that would have caused it to be protected? When the plans that could have been made to protect the city were pushed to the side. But yet and still, you want to try to protect a city whom God is not the author of. Oh, y'all know. Y'all be with me. And therefore, he says to rise up early in the morning and to sit up late. You've just eaten the bread of sorrows. And many families are suffering sorrows because the house 
was not built upon the foundation of God. You see, no matter how smart we think we are, no matter how much we think the modern way of doing things is so good, we need to go back to the old paths. We need to go back to the past that says God needs to build the house. In order for things to go well, and I tell you, in that household, folks are able to go to sleep. Not having to worry about what was done that day that would have destroyed the house. When the person is able to, I'll tell you one of the things, the older you get, the more you realize sleep is sweet. Sleep is sweet, especially in your house. After hours, you ain't got to listen to all that music going on. You ain't got to listen to folks uh, fussing all over the place. When, when lights are out, everybody's out. Not people sneaking in late at night. Thinking, see, the one thing I love about young people They are trying to do what us older folks have been practicing for years. And they think that they got it together. So we have to sit back and say, no, you don't. We wrote the book. When he says, for he gives us his beloved sleep. But he goes on to say something here. He goes says something. He says, but listen, listen, lo, children. Children. Oh, those precious things. Those precious beings. It, it, it's something about looking in the face of a baby. Fredine and I were not blessed to have our own children, but I come across a lot of babies. And every time, invariably, I always, when I come across a baby, the first thing I want to do once I get my nerves up, I want to hold the child. <laughs> and then I look at the child's face and I says, tell me about God. Hmm, tell me about God. Now, I know they can't say a word. But I look at them and I said, tell me about God, because that is the most innocent that they're going to be. Yeah. And I want to know from the innocence of a child, about God. Because when he gets older like us, we in trouble. We lose sight of who God is. But the Bible says here, children are a heritage of the Lord. Now somebody will say, well, not these little devils I got. But let me tell you something. In looking at scripture, you must keep it in its contextual setting. He's still talking about the Jewish family who prided themselves on family staying together, who prided themselves that the older people took care of the younger people, the younger people respected those who were older. Not like what's going on today. All right, all right, all right, all right, all right, all right. But he's talking about these Jewish families. Those who are where you have mama and grandma and great-grandma in the same house. Truly the village of the family took care of the child. 
Not like today, you, 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 you say something to a child to try to correct them, not only will they curse you out, but then their folk won't come along and curse you out also. But he's talking about a family for whom everybody was together in one group. See, he's talking about a family whereby folks, even the people who grew up, did not go far from the home. Mm, okay, all right, all right, all right. They didn't go far from the home. Son was always somebody close by to take care of mama and daddy. I'm talking about the Jewish family. And so he says here, lo, children are inherited. And the word children that he uses there is talking about a male child. A child, a male child. Now, you see, back in those days, a male child was someone who was valued. Because of what he could, now, now, sisters, don't, don't look at me wrong now. Look, some of y'all, y'all, some of y'all looking at me rather strange right about now. I'm just trying, Brother Davis, I'm trying to deal with the scriptures here. I'm trying to stay with the scriptures now. Now, they go argue with, they go argue with you later because I'm going to be gone. <laughs> but the Bible still is talking about a, a, a young man. In the context of the scriptures, he says that the, uh, the, the children of this young man is a heritage, is a blessing from the Lord. Because he's going to ensure that the family structure is going to be kept safe. It was inbred into that child from a young tot. Son, you're going to protect this family. Son, your name means something. Son, don't dishonor this family's name. So no matter what you do, keep the family in mind. Don't act a fool out there and embarrass this family. The Lord said children are an heritage of the Lord. And the fruit of his womb is his reward. Now, I know today, with the family structure not what it ought to be, many people want to argue with this scripture. But see, God meant what he said because of the circumstances for which he's talking about. Just because your house is messed up, that don't change the word of God. That's just the way it is. See, God is not to blame for your household being messed up. God is not to blame for things not being right in your house. Stop blaming God and stop lying to yourself about those things where we want to blame God for, which when it's in reality are our own fault for not doing what the Lord said. You look back long enough and have enough introspection within yourself. You can look back and see where you made a mistake to cause what's present to go on. See, what's happening now did not just begin now. It began a long time ago. Oh, yeah, all right, all right, all right, all right, all right, all right. All right. Freddie, I'm trying to stay with notes here. I'm trying, I'm trying to stay with I'm trying, I'm trying, I'm trying. All right. I said, lo, children, are heritage of the Lord and the fruit of the womb, children. Now, now, now to say it that Solomon 
wrote this book. You know, with 700 wives and 300 concubines. He knew some what he's talking about. Hmm? You think about it. Now, 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 but Sebastian, when you get there and you want to find your wife, one is enough. If you do it right, one is enough. Don't act a fool and try to go twice. One is enough. We're talking about a man who had 700 wives and 300, okay, modern day mistresses. Y'all all right. It's all right. It's all right. This is the one who wrote this particular scripture. Mm, y'all stay with me now. Stay with me. Stay with me now. Stay with me. And he said, children are a heritage from the Lord. Oh, I want to deal with that. I better leave it alone. And, and he says now, based upon that, now he says now, this Solomon had not gotten no, he, he's been asked the Lord for some insight and some understanding. And he makes a statement next that I find fascinating. This is a fact. Now keep in mind, verse 4 is based upon verses 1 through 3. Now keep in mind, uh, now good old-fashioned Bible study, you students of the Word. All right? You know that you don't take a scripture out of its context and try to make it say something it don't say. That's good old-fashioned hermeneutics. All right? I know our hermeneutical practices have changed over the years, but you better go back to the book. Huh? So when we look at verse 4, we need to be reminded of what he said in verses 1 through 3 because it gives credence a background, a foundation to what he says now in verse 4. What does he say in verse 4? He says, now listen, he goes back because Solomon knew what it was like to be around warriors. He knew what it was like to be around the armies of God and seeing the mighty things they did. He knew what it was like to see soldiers trained. He knew what it was like to see these men put together in their training camps and them doing, going through all of their methodologies in order for them to improve themselves on who they were. And so based upon that, Solomon had a breakout moment. And Solomon says, you know, thinking about what I'm thinking here, you know, as arrows are in the hand of a mighty man, so are children of one's youth. Now, the question is now, Solomon, my man, what are you talking about? Solomon, what are you talking about? As arrows are in the hands of a mighty man. Pray the Lord. I should have brother there. I should have you walking around with this man. You're a mighty man. As arrows are in the hands of a mighty man. One of these days I'm gonna figure out how to open this thing. 
so are arrows in the hands of a warrior. You know, I said to myself, as I, you know, Jesus was a fantastic teacher. This is real. This is real. I decided not to br bring the bow because I don't want no problems. <laughs> I, I had to ask Brother Davis the other night, do they allow arrows in Massachusetts? I don't want to be breaking the law. Although this is a lethal weapon. In the hands of the wrong person. Is that point sharp? Yeah. Okay. This ain't no joke. In the hands of a mighty man. This is what children are. Your child is this. Is this. The question is, how in the world is your child like this? Oh, now we're getting heavy. Now we're getting heavy. You know, when you look at I told him I only had two slides. This is the second slide. And that is just talking about what an arrow is. Parts of an arrow. You see, no matter how trained a warrior is, he has to know his tools. He needs to know what the tools are about. He needs to know how to use his tools. This right here means nothing. It can do no harm. if it's not used right. As lethal, this thing will kill you. Yes, it will, it will kill you. In the hands of a person who knows what they are doing, this will kill you. Your Bible says, and I'm staying up here while I'm doing all this now. I can't walk in the midst of y'all right now. I'm not, I'm not doing that because I want y'all to be going. No. <laughs> I don't want y'all to be doing that. But Solomon saw something with these guys. And he's seen many days them make these things. When you look at an arrow, there are parts of the arrow that every archer knows about. First of all, a part of the arrow is what we call the shaft. From here to here. That's just the visual what I'm doing here. All right. Then there is another part of the arrow that is called the point. Now, depending upon, see, the purpose of the arrow was twofold. It was used, one, for war, war and number two, it was used for hunting. 
today is recreational, <laughs> if you can call it recreational. But it was two things, was war and for providing something to eat. The point of this, which can be removed, is used because depending upon what you want to kill, you change the point. All right? Now modern-day warfare, modern-day archery, is what they call the razor points. That thing will go not in you, but through you. Depends on what the archer wants to do. And then a part of the archer point is called the crest. The crest gives credence as to what this is. It's called the family name. Every archery company has a family name. This is known by its name. Oh, y'all ain't got it yet, do you? You don't have it yet, huh? Amen, somebody. Somebody's catching on. Somebody getting it now? Huh? And then what you have is what we call deflection. That is this part here, where we used to, back in the days of the Indians and the days before, this used to be feathers. And the feathers were placed on, a, on this part of the art, the back of it, to give it direction. Or shall I say more so, to provide stability. All right? And depending upon how they wanted this arrow to go, that arrow either went straight into something, or if it, they want to do it a different way, it would twist this way into something. Let me tell you something. Twisting is worse than st straight. It depended upon what the archer was looking for. Huh? And then what you'd have is what we call the nook. This arrow would mean nothing if there was nothing to hold it to the bowstring. Every part of the arrow meant something. And the Bible goes on and says now, blessed is the man whose quiver, this is a quiver, that which holds all of these lethal arrows. Blessed is the man. Well, y'all quiet now. Blessed is the man whose quiver is full of them. Now the question is, what is he talking about? Now, Brother Davis, I want to make sure I have every one of these when I walk out the door. I don't want nobody to get happy and say, yes, I've been looking for one, something like that. You see, your Bible says train up. Is that right? Train up a child in the way it should go. When it gets old, it will not depart from him. 
I've had many people say, well, Brother Freeman, you know, that can't be true because I gave my child the best training that they could possibly have. And they still went astray. Well, well you need to re-examine that scripture. All right? Don't, 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 but just because your situation ain't right does not mean that scripture ain't right. Your Bible says train up. That word means that you are putting that child through paces that is meant for them to stay in the Lord. Let me tell you something. Paces of training for that child goes beyond the church building. If your training is only relegated to the church building, you are not training that child. Because he has more of a life than a church building. You cannot train a child based upon two or three hours a week. My goodness, he eats more during that time. <laughs> and so when we talk about training up a child, oh, I would love to go back to the Old Testament scripture and talk about, say, train them up early in the morning. Remind them of the Lord through the midday. When he goes to bed at night, train him then. Put something on him to remind him of those things which are of God. So the training, the word training there literally means that which saves the mind. Mm -hmm. That which saves the mind. And so the training that we want to provide or the instructional value that we want to provide for that child is something that it will stay with him that will mold his character, that will mold his demeanor, that will mold how he does things. And it can't be done just once a week. It is something that is, be, let me tell you something, the Catholics had this thing down pat. Ah, uh, yeah, I said the Catholics. The Catholics had a thought, Brother, Ke Brother Davis, I'll call you Brother Keith now. Um, I feel like I'm back in Holocene. The Catholics would say, you give us a child when he's young, he'll be a Catholic forever. That's what they said. Pretty name I write about it? Amen. She told me that. And she was a Catholic. So when we look at this then, he says, train up a child in the way he should go. But then he makes a statement. When he gets old, the training won't leave him. It didn't say he might, he's going to keep on doing what he's trained. It didn't say that. Your Bible didn't say that. It just says the training that he got when he was younger is going to stay with him. See, what we need to do for our children is give them something to fall back on. Huh? That's the scripture. Give them something, provide for them an atmosphere so that when they get older, get out there, get on their own, that when they start to lose their mind, which some of us do, I said us, when some of us do, we can in our quiet time look back and say, you know, I remember mama said this. I remember when I was young, my mama used to pray for me. 
I remember when I was young, my mama stood up late at night for me. I remember when daddy used to take me to church and sit me down beside him and he sung his heart out. I remember, I remember, I remember. But if there's nothing for the child to remember, so he says to train him up in the way he should go. When he gets old, that won't lead him. You know, we, we train up a child for foolishness or with foolishness. And guess what? When he gets old, that's all he has. It's foolishness. And we wonder why he can't get to his right mind. Because he ain't got nothing to fall back on. There's wisdom in the scriptures, brethren. There's a lot of wisdom in the scriptures. And I'm on my first page of six pages to go here. I don't know what to do with myself here. All right, all right, all right. Uh, they said, listen, 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 listen. So he says to train him up where he should go. And when he gets old, he will not depart from his soul. The, the author in Psalms 127 and verse 4, he says, like arrows in the hands of a warrior, so are children of one's youth, one's youth, one's youth. See, back in that time in the Jewish family, they had their chins at a young age, all right? They had them at a young age. So the child grew up among parents who could handle them. Oh, y'all didn't catch that yet, right? Y'all didn't catch that, did you? He grew up among folk who still had the youth enough to handle his foolishness. For you remember the Bible tells us that foolishness is bound up in the child, but the rod of correction will draw far from him. <laughs> now, 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 let me put a disclaimer here. That rod of correction does not always mean physical. Okay. All right? It doesn't always mean physical. Uh, sometimes if we take our cell phones away from our kids, that's just as bad or worse than beating them. Because you, they feel like they're dying. <laughs> I remember when I used to be, I was a boy, and my father would lay in on me. He said, son, shut up. I said, I'm, he said, stop that crying. Yep. I'm saying to myself, I'm, I'm crying. It hurts. <laughs> it hurts. Stop that crying. I'll give you something to cry for. <laughs> Straighten me out. <laughs> but the rod of correction, the rod of correction, just means to provide that child with the necessary uh, information, with the necessary guidance that they need in order to keep a right mind. Huh? You notice I keep saying the mind thing, right? Keep the mind, all right? Putting a new clothes on a kid don't make them right. Buying these two, three, four, five hundred dollar sneakers won't make them right. As a matter of fact, what you're doing, you're setting that child up. You're setting them up. I'm gonna tell you the reason why you're setting them up. 
because as he gets older, he's going to want to have the same thing. Now, keep, keep in mind, that money came out of your pocket. Now, he, it came out of your pocket. And when he gets older and he don't have that money in his pocket to do what he wants, guess where he's going to get it from? Oh, y'all, y'all, y'all all right, y'all all right. Like arrows. Brother, keep, brother Davis, I'm just trying to deal with the scriptures. So. Like arrows in the hands of a warrior. In many ways, our children are like arrows in the hands of a warrior. They must be carefully shaped and formed. They have to be. But you know, that takes effort to do that. It takes effort to do that. No wonder he says, blessed are the, ch are the child of one's youth. See, when you get older, you don't have that, that much effort anymore. As a matter of fact, the older you get, the more quiet you want things to be. <laughs> Isn't that right? You don't want all that noise going on around you. As a matter of fact, my mama always told me, said, son, you had your kids. Remember, when nighttime comes, I want my sleep. You better take your boy, you better take those kids home if you go. They must be guided. They must be guided with strength and skill. They must be taught how to fly right. Huh? In order for them to be taught to fly right, you've got to make that arrow correct. Because you make an arrow with a bow in it or bend in it, guess what's going to happen when it leaves your bow? Mm -hmm. It's going to go everywhere except for where you want it to go. There's wisdom like arrows in the hands of a warrior. Isn't that right? Yes, they are in some respect. When you look at a child, they in some respect are only launched from your bow once. And wherever they go is going to be in large part of how you made them. Oh, have mercy. Yes. As a matter of fact, when you look at the arrow of your child, the child being the arrow, they are an extension of your accomplishments. If your accomplishments isn't right, it's going to be shown through your child. Oh, y'all getting quiet on me now. Y'all getting very quiet. The Bible says in Isaiah chapter 49, it's in your Bible, Isaiah chapter 49, and verse 2, he says, He made my mouth like a sharp sword. In the shadow of his hands, he hid me. He made me a polished arrow in his quiver, he hid me away. You see how Isaiah looked at the Lord in his relationship with the Lord and how that the Lord had formed him. And he formed him and hid him in his quiver. When the Lord decided to launch Isaiah, Isaiah was ready to be launched. And Lord knows we have the record, even to this day, of how Isaiah was launched of God. 
when I look at the arrow, when I look at the tip, the tip signifies that which I'm going to use because that tip has to correspond with what I want it to pierce. If the tip is no good, then it's not going to pierce anything. So if I want to send that child into the world to fight with the world, that tip is going to have to be sharp. And the sharpness of that tip is going to happen while he's young. I love my brother, just when he was here last time, talking about Christian evidences. A child has to know who he is and why he is who he is. He has to be aware of the validity, authenticity of the scriptures. He needs to know of the reality of the church. He needs to know the reality of a relationship with God. He cannot have a borrowed faith. He needs to learn how to have his own faith, and that's what the tip is going to do. In the process of doing that, he has his tip together. That shaft, that shaft there is something that's going to have to be sanded down. That shaft has to be smooth because as that shaft is going through the air, it needs to be able to fight the air as it goes through. The smoother it is, the quicker it's going to get it to its point. But if it's not smooth, guess what? It's going to fall by the wayside because the resistance of the air will stop it. And many of our children today are stopped in their tracks because they're not smooth. They're not smooth. The crest is the family name. It shows who you are. It gives you identity. And the biggest thing about children today, they don't know who they are. They don't know if they are him, her, he, she, it, they. They put a whole lot of pronouns to it now. They don't know who they are. Huh? I deal with a lot of children today. They don't know who they are. I say, who? I said, boy, you need to straighten up. I'm no boy. I'm a girl. Boy, you got. I'm looking at a boy with, with a mustache and a beard. I'm a girl. Identity. Identity. That's what's happening. And if you say something, let me tell you something. It's, it's done got to a point today. You better call them what they want to be called. I'm a they. Well, the English language says. <laughs> the English language says a they is one or two or more. Is that, st is that still in the English language? I, I don't been in an environment so much, I don't know what to think anymore. It's two or more. That's a they. I, you, he, she, it, plural, we, you, they. That's the English language. It's grammar still, right? That's grammar. Now, 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 they say that they are they. That's a plural. That's not a singular. That's what's happening in our world today. Because one's identity is gone. And they're trying to, if it's not done in the right way, they're going to get it some other way. That's the facts. All right? If the Lord's standard of things is not in place in that child, they're going to look for it somewhere else. That's human nature. You're going to look for it. And so if, they, if, they're, not, if they're not guided properly, wherever they can find it, they will. 
got folks that got young girls. And as a matter of fact, in our facilities that we have now, uh, they have rooms now that if you are identified, if you are male and you identify with, as a female, they have to put you in a room with somebody else who identifies themselves as you. I made a mistake. I made a mistake. And you got to be careful, not only with children, but with adults also. That's what's going on in our world today, brethren. That's identity. But see, here the thing about it is, we need to instill Christian identity in our children. We must know, our child must know that they have been justified by faith in Jesus Christ. That, that justifies us means just as if I had never sinned. And that is because of their relationship with Jesus the Christ. They need to understand that they are no longer to, uh, condemned because the, the Bible says there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. They need to be taught to have the mind of Christ. If you don't have the mind of Christ, you're going to have another mind. You're going to have something else. When I look at my arrow, I see here the nook. You see a, a, an archer with his bow. As beautiful as some of those ornate bows are, they have that string, which sometimes is made out of um, horse hair, horsetail hair, I should say, because of its strength. And they can tie it together. And when that, that arrow is laid on there with that archer having that arrow between his two fingers, his index fingers and his, his middle finger. And when he pulls back on that arrow, if that nook is not properly in that arrow, once that arrow is released, it will just go anywhere. That child needs a foundation, a proper foundation for which they can hold on to. All right, so that child then really becomes what you make them to be. And so when we look at these verses here, and I'm about to cut this short because I have a whole lot more. When we look at these verses here, we see not so much the arrow, but the archer who has to sling the arrow, which is the most important. Because see, that arrow cannot make itself. You have to make that arrow. And you making that arrow, you are the one that's going to send what you make. And the question is, are you sending that arrow in the right direction? That arrow's direction is going to be the direction you send it. You can't blame anybody else. See, you're the archer. You're the one that should be trained to deal with that which you make. And if that arrow is not going where it should go, ask yourself, why? And here's the thing that you can't do, and I'm going to close. Don't point the finger. You know why? Four against one. And it's not in your favor. So that's the, that's the wisdom. That's the wisdom that the scriptures gives to us. And the question still goes down to, am I pointing 
my child in the right direction. I'm going to leave it right there. God loves you. God loves you so much. He loves you so much. And we have in the scriptures everything we need of God. You see, one thing, one of the lies that we try to tell ourselves is it's not fair, it's not fair, it's not fair. Remember, God made you, you didn't make him. Hmm? You, didn't, you didn't make God. God made you. And God, when he made you, he designed you to be a certain way. And if it's not the way that God says, it's not going to be the way it should be. So if I find the difficulties in my life, I need to ask myself the question, where is my responsibility? What can I claim as my fault in the matter? Because, see, when we're true and honest with ourselves, then good results can come. But if we're going to continue to lie to ourselves and give ourselves a whole lot of misbeliefs, then we're going to struggle with those misbeliefs forever and never come to a point of coming to the right thing on the matter. Yes. But God wants us then to be right with him. Oh, the lesson, this lesson was for the church. The lesson for the church, just to give us a little more insight, just to give us a little comfort, just to give us a little bit of more information as to what God has to say on the matter. Don't, don't get mad at God. Don't get mad at God. Just say, praise the Lord. Just say, praise the Lord. Because now I know. The Bible says, and you shall know the and the truth shall liberate you. It'll liberate you. Now, we do King James says, set you free. I know, I know what it says. But it literally means to liberate you. Huh? It means that you won't be bound up anymore. All right? And when you are free, the Bible says, go to the next verses or so, and if the Son of God shall therefore shall make you free, you shall be liberated indeed. Don't you want to be liberated? Don't you want to have not the hindrances of things, even your own hindrance to get in your way? We need to stay with the Lord. Isn't that right? Just stay with the Lord and let the Lord have his way. Come to his word. Come to him. You come to him this morning. God loves you.